Second Peter 2 and 5 says, And spared not the world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And Luke 9, 62 says, And Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Noah's story is one that most of us know. We know about it. We could tell it in our sleep just about. But his story has impacted the world probably more than anybody's except for Adam and Jesus Christ himself. We're here because Noah was a righteous man in an unrighteous world. We worship today because Noah lived for God when nobody else around him lived for God. Noah found the end of himself when everybody else was doing what they wanted to do. And we're alive because Noah stood for something different than his culture and his society. So today I want to look at something in this story that Peter said that Noah... The eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. Tonight my title is Noah Preached. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, this is for your glory, for your kingdom. Lord God, I pray that you'll minister in us and through us. Lord God, I pray that you'll help us tonight to grow and apply this word to our life. And give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Genesis 6. 5 through 8, the Bible says that the God saw that no, the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man in the midst of a dark, lost world. He was the one bright spot in the midst of people who were captured by chaos and violence. He stood alone for God when everybody else was following their own desires. There was Noah alone, and Noah's faithfulness in this dark world caught the eye of God. And therefore, he heard God's promise that nobody else heard. So God spoke of a plan that I'm going to destroy the world, but because you found grace in my eyes, I'm going to give you and your family hope. And he told him that you're going to build an ark. You're going to make it out of gopher wood. You're going to build rooms in it. You're going to put tar on the inside and the outside. It's going to be 300 cubits long, 50 wide, 50 tall. He said you're going to put one window in it. You're going to put one door on the side of it, and you're going to make three stories in this thing. Detailed. He said, you're going to bring two of all the unclean animals and seven of all the clean animals. And you're going to bring enough food for you and your family. And then you and your family will come into the ark and be saved. This boat was going to save Noah and his family from the judgment of God. So his, his responsibilities were simple. He said, build the boat. Make sure your family gets on. Make sure the animals get on. And make sure you bring enough food to eat. So he spent the next part of his life building this boat that God spoke to him to build. And so he's building this thing. He didn't take any shortcuts. He didn't leave out any details. He did exactly what God said to do, exactly the way God said to do it because it was important. He committed himself to the ark to make sure he did everything right because Noah, above all, wanted to see his family saved. 
Noah was making sure in his mind that I got to make sure I get this right because this is bigger than me. And in time, God spoke and said, now is the time. So the animals made their way into the ark and Noah and his family. And the Bible says that the Lord shut the door behind them. And it began to rain and the world was destroyed, but his family was saved. And we understand that the, the need for obedience to God's word is important. It's obvious there that we have to listen. But Second Peter pointed out something that wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament. He said that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. The word preacher means a herald. He's somebody who carried the official message of the king. Is who he was. He was somebody who declared the message of righteousness to people who were around him. See, the Bible, when you read it, it only records that God told Moses, build the ark. He didn't say anything about the people. He didn't say anything about preaching. He just said, go build this ark and so your family can be saved. The minimum, if Noah was like son of us, the, the minimum is just, let me just build this thing. I don't have to worry about the other people. Let me just build my ark and make sure my family is saved. Let me remain righteous so that I can get on this ark. But he understood that this promise that God had given him could not be separated from his life. He could not separate the two. They were built in together. So Noah was called to build a boat, but the promise of rain and destruction stirred something in him that he could not help but preach. Noah was righteous. Noah was a good man, but he could not keep this message to himself. He could not keep, and keep it to himself. He was a builder, but Noah preached. Noah had a responsibility, build this thing, do it right. But there was something that stirred up inside of him and he began to preach to everybody that would listen. He would build a little bit and then he'd preach a little bit. He'd build a little bit and he'd preach a little bit. He, he would do what he was supposed to. So when he wasn't building, he was preaching. And when he wasn't preaching, he was building, being faithful to the promise. Because there was something in Noah that said, I got to preach about this. I got to say something about this. He had a tool in one hand and a message in the other. So he had something in him that he's got to get the people around him. He knew that there's no room in the boat for those people. But why did he preach? I don't know. Maybe he believed that if he caught the eye of God, maybe somebody else could catch the eye of God. If God would let him build a boat, maybe he'll tell somebody else to build a boat. But whatever it was, something in Noah stirred that he had to build the boat. See, it's impossible as the church, as the world is shouting its message of unrighteousness and unholiness and all these things, it's impossible for the church to build in silence. We cannot, we are not able to build in silence. Because with that message that we hear every day, at some point we've got to take a stand for what was righteous and what is holy. Because Noah understood that if I just build a boat, eventually they're going to wear my family down. If I want my family to be saved, this is bigger than me. That if I want my family to be saved, i got to do more than just build a boat. i got to take a stand for what is right i got to take a stand for righteousness in a dark world. I know I can build and I know I can do the things that everybody's calling me crazy. But at some point, i got to take a stand and say, you can do what you want to do, but there's a better way about this. There's a better way to do this. And my sons need to see me preach this. And his daughter-in-laws need to see him preach it. And his wife needed to hear him preach it. Because there was something in him that said, this world is dark. 
This world is dry. This world is hurting. But there's something in me that I know i got to build. But Noah's got to preach. And somebody is telling the church today, be quiet. You just build your little thing in the corner. But is there somebody that will say, I can't just build. God's been too good to me. God has done too much for me to keep my mouth shut. I can't just go through the motions. I can't just build a church on Sunday. I can't just build my home on Monday. i got to tell everybody, look what the Lord has done in my life. Yes, I'm a builder, but I'm a preacher every single day because God has been too good to me. You see, the same idea replayed with Nehemiah. He's building the wall, and, and, they, and they've been threatened. So you find that the workers built the wall with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. They were ready to fight. So they, they, were, ready to, they were ready to do whatever needed to be done. As a church, we can't get so caught up building that we forget to fight. But we also can't get so caught up fighting we forget to build. There's a calling on us. we got a boat to build. But we also got a message to preach. we got a word to get out. We've got a messenger. we got to tell them about Jesus. And so while Noah didn't have an army coming against him, he did have some voices that were speaking against him. He had some voices that were trying to silence him. As we read the story, there's really not much about that time in between. God gave him the instructions all it simply says in Genesis 6.22 that thus Noah did. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. You can only imagine what the people had to say about what Noah was doing. Obviously, most people thought he was crazy. He's building a boat in a desert. Not the best place to build a boat. And so if you looked at Noah from the outside, you're thinking, well, what is wrong with this guy? So there was these voices, and we don't know exactly what those voices were saying, but we do know that in the last days, the world would be like it was in the day of Noah. So I have an idea of what those voices might have been saying. There was that voice of ridicule. Say, you're ignorant. How are you telling, letting some God that you can't see tell you how to live your life? What, what, who do you think you are to let this God that you, don't even, you can't even touch, you can't even feel, that he's going to control you? Why, why don't you just do you? Why don't you just live your life your way? Why don't you commit your life to your dreams and your goals? Why don't you do what everybody, why do you have to be different than everybody else? You're making me uncomfortable. Why do you have to be different? Something's wrong with you. And then there's that voice of doubt. It says rain's not even a real thing. Rain's not, what are you wasting your time for? You see, you've been working all this time. You've been believing all this time. And you've got nothing to show for. You've got a boat and it's still in the desert. You, you, you've been believing for all this time. And what you're wasting your life away on this, on this boat, on this, on this God that you serve. You're wasting your time. We hear that voice that said, your kids are never going to live for God. You're never going to make it. You're, this promise is never going to pass. Heaven's not real. Why are you wasting your time? Why, what are you doing? You can live your life so differently. Why are you wasting your time on this God you can't see? It's trying to get you to stop praying and believing. Then there's the voice of fear. You'll never finish the boat on time. It's going to rain before you know what to do. You're never going to finish this thing. You've been working for a long time. You're not going to be able to get And even when you get it up there, it's going to sink. This thing's not going to float. It's not going to work. You're going to spend all this time, and you're going to miss out on your kids' events. You're going to miss out on your kids' life because you're busy building a boat. You're busy building an ark for a God you can't see. And they're telling you you're wasting your life. 
Then there's that voice of compromise that says, well, you don't have to build a boat that big. Why, why don't you just make one level on your boat? Why do you need three levels on your boat? It'd be a lot easier if it just had one level instead of three. Why, why do you preach repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and it filling the Holy Ghost? It'd be a lot easier if you just had one level on that boat. Let's just make it easier. If you just, if you just preach repentance and leave the rest out, it don't have to be made of gopher wood. All trees are important. God made all the trees. Just use whatever tree you want to use. Or you don't have to put the pitch on the inside and the outside. This is too much work. You don't have to worry about that. You, you don't have to put all the animals on the boat. You just put the ones that you like. You, you have the choice, the chance to get rid of the mosquitoes, and you, you're going to bring them on the boat. Why, why don't you just pick the ones that you want? Why you got to bring them all on the boat? And then they'll, then they'll say, well, if, if you would cut out some of them animals, I might get on your boat. If, you, if, you, if you'd leave a couple of them animals off, I might think about riding with you. If you, you leave some things out, I might be a little more comfortable with what you're doing. But Noah made a decision that if I don't do it exactly the way God said I had to do it, I might as not well not waste my time. He made a decision. God found me because I was righteous. God saw something in me. And I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to walk away because somebody didn't like it. There's something in me that says I got to build, but I got to preach. I got to stay faithful to what God's called me to be. I got to stay faithful to what God has spoken into my life. Some of you have been going through the battle and the devil's been talking in your ear. You need to tell the devil, you know what? You can do what you want to do. I'm building, but I'm I'm preaching. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not walking away from that. I know who I am. And I refuse to give up and I refuse to quit. Second Samuel 23, 9 and 10 says, And next to him, among the, third, the three mighty men, was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the son of Ahoho, whatever it is, something like that. Ahoha. And he was with David when they defied the, arm, the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. They all ran. But he rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. Everybody else decided, I got to get out of here. Everybody else saw the army coming and said, man, I got to get out. There's no way we're going to win this thing. I know I like this, this barley patch, but I, I can't give my life for it. And so they ran, but there was one man, Eleazar, that said, no, I ain't going anywhere this time. You can do what you want to do. You can run with you, but I'm about to give my life for this thing. Because it might not mean much to you, but it means something to me. It might not be important to you, but I've made my decision that they can do whatever they want to do, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I've built something right here. And I'm going to stand for what i built. I'm going to stand on what God has called me to do. And once the battle started, he can't run. He's there whether he wins or loses. He's stuck there. And the Bible says he's outnumbered. So he's just fighting and he's going. And scholar, the Bible says his hand cleaved to the sword. And scholars say that what probably happened is that he killed so many enemies that their blood began to run down his hand. And their blood began to force his hand closed around the sword to where he couldn't get his hand loose because of the blood of his enemy. Because of the testimony of what God had brought him through. And what God is telling somebody that you've been fighting some battles and you've been going through some things and the devil's saying, why don't you just put your sword down and walk away? But you need to tell the devil, I've come too far. I can't let go of the sword. I've overcome too much. 
I've defeated too much already. I've fought too many devils. I've fought too many battles. I've, I've prayed too much. I've given too much. I can't walk away now. My hand is cleaved to the sword. I can't put the sword down if I wanted to because God has been good to me. And because he wouldn't put the sword down. He won the battle that day. And some of you have been building and building and building and working and saying, God, I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. Can I tell you, you're getting somewhere. What you're building matters and what you're fighting for matters. And you're going to win this battle because Christ is with you. Gotta skip. I'll be here all night if I don't. When I was young, I've told it before, my brother was bigger than me, could beat me up. And so we fought every day. And so every single day I had to make a business decision before I got involved in this that I'm probably gonna lose. So I have to make a business decision whether this is worth it or not. This thing that I'm fighting over. It's got to be worth getting beat up over. It's got to be that important to me. And so there was a business decision being made. A business decision, it weighs the cost and it decides, is, is the risk worth the reward? Am I, what am I about to do? Is it worth what could happen to me? But a destiny decision looks at the reward and says, I don't really care about the risk. A destiny decision says, yeah, I know I might lose this thing, but I can't give up. What I'm fighting for is too important. What, what, the battle behind me is too important for me to walk away. So if I lose, lose, win, or draw, it really doesn't matter. I'm going to stand and fight. I'm going to make a stand because what I'm doing matters. And some of us have been going through life and we're trying to, am I going to make a business decision about living for God today, fighting for my family, or am I going to put the sword down and hope it doesn't get too bad? And some of us need to stop making business decisions about things that affect our destiny and make a decision and say, I'm going to stand for what is right. You can ridicule if you want to. You can talk about me if you want to. You can, you can do what you want to do, but I've made a stand. I'm standing for this word. I'm standing for what is right. I'm standing in for my family. I'm going to fight for my family. You can fight. If you, the devil's going to fight me. I've already resigned you. He's going to fight me till the day I die. And you know what? I really don't care because I'm not going to stop fighting for anything because what the promises that God has given me are too important for me to put my sword down. The things that God has trusted me with are too important for me to put my sword down and get comfortable and just relax. I have too many battles that are worth fighting to turn back now. Luke 9, 62, Jesus said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. I've come too far. I've been through too much. I've overcome too much. I've fallen too many times and had to dust myself and get back up to talk, turn around and walk away now. I've come too far. And I believe I'm talking to some people that you've come too far to turn around now. You've been through too much to turn around now. You've overcome. You've seen God do too many things for you to walk away now. Because God has been good even when I didn't deserve it. Even when I wasn't worthy of it. God was good. And God is faithful. The Bible says that Goliath would walk down in the valley. And shout at the children of Israel every day for 40 days. He didn't just walk down there and send a letter. He shouted across the valley to an entire army. And saying, I can whoop all y'all. 40 days. And so finally David decided this, this, this battle is worth fighting. Saul, I know you're afraid. The rest of the army, I know you're afraid. But, but 
I don't know if y'all heard what he's saying, but he's defying our God. And so this battle's worth fighting. He's coming against my God. He's coming against my family. He's coming against the things that are important to me. So this is a battle worth fighting. I'm going to have to fight this thing. And so we confronted the giant in 1 Samuel 17, 43 and 44. It says, and the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? Basically calling David a child. Cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. Goliath told David exactly how he felt about him. There was no question about what what Goliath's intentions were when he walked up to him. And so David walks up to Goliath and responded in verse 45 and said, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all his assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give it into your hand. Goliath was not, not ashamed, was not vague. He said, I'm going to kill you and leave you in the field. And David said, you know what? I'm going to kill you, cut your head off, and the birds are going to eat you. They let him know exactly where they stood. And what, what I fear in the North American church is we have a bad habit of drawing real fuzzy lines in our life. We get, we get mad at the devil and we draw a real fuzzy line about where, where it's supposed to be. And the devil's telling us exactly how he feels about us. He's telling us exactly how he feels about your family. He's telling you exactly how he feels about your peace. He's telling you exactly how he feels about you. And we're, we're, we're afraid to draw the line in the sand. Can I tell you, David showed us how to fight that battle. He said, you go out and you tell the devil, you're not going to win this today. You're not going to win this battle. I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to destroy you. And everybody behind me is going to see that there's a God in Israel. Every, my family's going to see there's a God in Israel. Some of you need to know you've been building a boat and that's great. But it's time for you to step up and preach and say, hey, you can do what you want to do. But I'm going to stand for what's right. And I want everybody to see what, look what the Lord has done in my life. Look what the Lord has done in my family. Look what God can do. When the enemy, the musicians can come. I'm not done, but I'm going to wrap up anyway. Give y'all hope. Give pastor hope. It's 8 o'clock. When the enemy wanted to keep God's people under subjection, they would come out, and what they would do is raid their crops. They wouldn't wipe them out completely. They would just come and take away and make the harvest difficult. So they allowed them to work for free in the field. They didn't bother them while they planted anything. They didn't bother them when they worked their garden. They didn't bother them at any point until it came time for the harvest and they would come in and take away what they had grown. See, the enemy, he's not worried about you planting the field and working the field. He's worried about you harvesting the field. He's not worried about you coming to church on Sunday or Wednesday. He's not worried about you just playing a Christian song in your car every now and then. He's not too worried about that. He don't mind you working the field a little bit, but don't think he's going to let you sit back and get a harvest. Don't think he's not going to fight you when it's time for the harvest. He knows that preparing the ground, planting the seed, that's that's difficult. So he's not going to bother you when you're doing the hard work. When it's time for the harvest, that's when all hell breaks loose in your life. Anybody can speak to that? You've been working, you've been believing, and you've been seeing some things going in the right direction, and you feel like it's right there. And all of a sudden, hell breaks loose. 
And you're thinking, what in the world is going on? Because it's frustrating because the time that seems like it should be the easiest, because it's the reward for all your efforts and your patience, that's when the devil comes and discourages you. That's the moment that the devil comes in and attacks you. See, the attack you're feeling, some of you have been fighting, the attack you're feeling is not a sign that you're doing something wrong. That, 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 that attack you're feeling is a sign that the harvest is right around the corner. That the devil, he don't mind if you plant, but he's right there to take your harvest. And some of you are wondering, why does the devil show up every time, every time things are going good? Because there's a harvest right there. You just hadn't seen it yet. There's a harvest right around the corner. You just didn't see it. And what some of you need to do is take a stand and say, you're not going to take my harvest this time. See, in Judges 6, the Bible says for seven years, the Midianites, they had done that. They would come and right at harvest time, they would take the harvest for seven years. Frustrated God's people. So a guy called Gideon, right at the time of harvest, he said, all right, now's your moment. For seven years, they've been taking your crop. They've, you've been working hard. And right at when it came time to harvest, they've been stealing it away from you. But now's your moment. Gideon, I need you to rise up. And I know the odds are going to be stacked against you. And I know it's not going to look good. I know it's going to look bad when you compare yourself to the rest of the world. But if you trust me, this time the harvest is going to be different. This time, I know they stole the last seven harvests, but this harvest is about to be different because I'm calling somebody to take a stand. And some of you have been wondering, well, I just don't know. I just don't know. All you've got to do is take a stand. And if you take the stand, if you make a decision, you know what? I'm going to pray a little harder this time. I know when the devil's coming against me, I'm not going to put my sword down. This time when I feel that attack, that's when I'm going to find my prayer closet. This time when I feel that, that devil rising up and deciding he's going to push back against what God, that's the moment I'm going to pick my sword up and say, no, we're going to fight for it this time. I'm not going to lay down this time. I know I laid down the last seven years, but this time I'm taking a stand because I'm tired of the devil coming in and taking what God has promised to give me. And some of you have been going through some things and fighting some things, and the devil's been coming in and taking it away. God's calling you to take a stand tonight. God's calling somebody to say, you know what? I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. I'm going to worship like I've never worshiped before. I'm going to break some things loose like I've never done it before because there's something in me that I've got to see with God. Yes, I'm a builder, but i got to preach this. i got to take a stand. Go ahead and stand to your feet. When the moment came, Gideon and his men, they broke the pitchers and they began to shout, blow a trumpet and shout. And it confused the enemy. The enemy gets confused when you stand up and shout when he's expecting you to bow down. The devil really doesn't know what to do when he's expecting you to bow down, expecting you to be quiet, and expecting you to give up. And all of a sudden, you stand up and say, not today. Not this time. Not this time. I know I, know I backed down last time. I know I quit coming to church. I know last time I quit. But this time I'm taking a stand, and I'm not going to stop preaching until the rain falls. I'm not going to stop preaching until God shuts me in that door. I'm not going to stop preaching until those gates click behind me on the other side because I made up in my mind God is worthy of everything that I have and I'm not holding anything back. I'm not keeping anything back. I'm going to build and I'm going to preach. I'm going to build and I'm going to preach. I'm going to be faithful to the promise, but I'm going to be faithful to the word. I'm going to be faithful to what God is calling me to do, but I'm going to be faithful to his presence. Some of you, it looks like your promises on life support, but God's, God's a resurrector. 
God brings life. God speaks life into death. He speaks light into darkness. There is nothing that you brought in this place that God is afraid of. There is no situation, no circumstance that you brought in this place that makes God bow down in fear. I don't know what I'm going to do. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha, the Omega. There is nothing in creation. There is nothing in this world, in this universe that escapes the attention of God. So if you made your way in this place today, God knew you was going to be here. God knew what you was going to be going through. Your circumstances had God off, caught God off guard. He knows what's going on in your life. And God said, I'm calling somebody to take a stand today. You've been building. You've been doing the right thing. You've been, you've been doing what I asked. But now I need you to preach a little bit. Now I need you to take a stand. Now I need you to go home and proclaim righteousness to your family. Go home and say, God's calling us higher. God's calling us out of this. God's calling us deeper. God's calling us. challenge right now. We close our eyes for a moment. And this week has been hell on earth, if I can be honest. I, I, I talk about, I, I, I'm pretty honest about it. I sleep great tonight. I, I, I learned a long time ago to get my troubles to God and go to sleep. But for some reason, every night this week, it's been a, a fight. It's been a disaster. I'm, I'm rolling. I can't figure it out. And finally, I'm getting this message together last night. I'm reading over, and God's like, you know, there, there's a reason you've been fighting. Because there's some things that I'm doing, and there, there's some things going on in the spirit. And you got a decision. You're just going to keep going through the motions, or are you going to come out of the rut and say, it's time. It's time for revival. It's time for a move of God. It's time to go deeper. It's time to get a hold of God like I've never got a hold of him before. It's time to worship like I've never worshiped before. It's time to give glory to God like I've never given glory to God. See, because when I worship God, I'm telling God, hey, my problem's a whole lot smaller, and you're a whole lot bigger. And all of a sudden, my little issues begin to disappear in light of his greatness. My worries begin to disappear in light of his, his majesty and his power. And I want to challenge us, and they're going to sing in a moment. And I don't know what you've been fighting. I don't know what you've been going through. And I know it's a kind of message that kind of hits on everything. And I want to challenge somebody. I don't know if you're fighting. I don't know if you're worried. I don't know if you're doubting. I don't know if you're being ridiculed. I don't know what's going on in your life. But can I tell you God's with you? Can I tell you that God is standing with you? And you don't have to back down to anybody. You don't have to turn away to anybody. You can take a stand for who God's called you to be. We're going down.